down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode 105 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name is always Adam Camilleri. I'm joined by an intrepid Canadian duo, the Bash Brothers of the Mighty Ducks of the something of the 90s reference of the nostalgia. Yes, more likes and subscribes. I tweaked your nostalgia berries. Welcome, Mr. Alex Mackie D. Dougal and Dustin the Dusty One Henshaw. Hello, boys. How's it going? Hello. I love that I gave you such hype and you give me such mediocrity. I, it's oh, you, such... Want, you want more? You want more than? No, 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 no. That was perfect. We are that, so no, happy no, no. to be here. The no, Canadian no. duo of the Bash Brothers, as you were saying, with the Force of the High Bind yeah, Bash Bros. That's what the Canadian Force of the High Bind Bash Bros. There we go. Better. That's what we are. It was better. Forever man. to be known. It, it was. Uh, never mind. You, now you've ruined it. I had a beautiful <laughs> juxtaposition. How did they ruin it? You didn't. You didn't. It was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, gonna keep rolling. Uh, welcome, Art of War Down Under. I have a great episode lined up for you guys. As you may or may not know, I have two of the very best that the forces of the hive mind have to offer in order to provide you guys a state of the super faction episode for the forces of the hive mind. We're gonna check in with this super faction as a whole, talk about how they're doing in the current meta, the the shapes of of the lists to come in uh, numerosity and in ferocity because this is a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit, this is a super faction on a bit of a, a tender hooks a lot of people thought it was going to be in mad decline it's kind of still bubbling away doing very well um, and it's had a hell of a story through ninth edition so far so we're going to touch in on that we're going to go with and uh, talk about what each of the sub factions of the super faction have going for it at the moment that being soup nids and gsc and we're going to talk a little bit of brew brothers because why not when when the go- when the guard codex comes out we're going to prognosticate on what that might do uh, i've heard some whispers about lehman russell as being very good, which could add a lot to some certain GSC archetypes. So we will see what happens there. But gentlemen, Alex, is there anything you would like to plug before we get started? I mean, I'm part of Art of War as well. If they're here, they're already knowing what's going on. So probably leave it there. Fair enough. Oh, Dustin. I've got a banger of a game coming up on Play On. Yeah, oh, load us up. It's probably like, it's still probably being edited right now, but it's pure GSC versus Black Templar, and it's oh. going to slap. It's oh. so good. So that is Play on Tabletop on YouTube? Yeah. Which you can also find over on Play on Tabletop on Patreon if you choose to support them. That is J- JT's, JT McDowell's, one of the one of the, the yep. best people I've ever met. <laughs> so, yeah. He's a good man. He's a very good man. Dustin, tell us a little bit about some of the things you do. Well, I'm part of the Starter Scrub podcast that we're streaming. Well, we normally stream every week, every Wednesday. There's a bit of a break going on because some of the things going on in real life. But we actually have a second stream being set up at our local hobby shop. So we'll still actually be doing those uh, local games every Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm part of the Starter Scrub podcast. One of the two co-hosts, we uh, release new episodes every other Tuesday, we record on the Mondays and release on the Tuesdays. There's a com- competitive podcast, two of us that uh, trial for the WGC Canadian team every year. And uh, well, I've, I've now been a part of it for quite a few years. And we keep talking about competitive stuff. So, and obviously, I'm GSC Force of the Hive Mind focused, and Jesse's more uh, Knights Chaos. So, if the, those are factions that interest you, it's definitely something to check out. But yeah, both of you are Forces of the Hive Mind luminaries. This is your main. Like, if you were to main a faction or a super faction, you are both forces mains. I don't actually, oh, I'm not sure you guys play anything else. Alex, you didn't play anything else, do you? You play Force of the Hive Mind, that's it? Uh, as of, yeah, about four or five years now, I have played stuff in the past and it just isn't as fun. So, fair. And Dustin, do you play anything else? I'm not sure you do. Nope. Yeah. I, I own a lot of other things and I've like, I collect them because uh, I have a stream, but I do not. I do not play the other ones. <laughs> so I've brought these two guys together because, of course, I wanted to get the the medical, the physical exam. I want to get the check-in from the experts on Force of the Hive Mind. I have some perceptions about how they're doing at the moment. I'm going to probably do some hot takes and get told I'm wrong, as is usual on my show. But for those who do not know what Art of War Down Under is about, we are primarily a review-based podcast. So anytime there's a new content that comes out, be that a supplement, an army of renown, a codex, a GT pack, anything like that, I will be reviewing it on my show. And the whole purpose of the show is that it's your one-stop stop shop for every, every week you can just tune to my show either get some cool update knowledge on um a faction out there in the meta which you probably need to pay attention to and know what's up eg you know one of these like with last week a retrospective on sisters of battle this week checking in with a whole super faction and letting you guys know what's going on there or should you be playing them should you be playing against them you know have some insights um and if not we're going to be reviewing the brand new content as it comes out so that if you can't you know run out and drop you know 80 dollars on a codex or a new book you can just listen to my show every week hopefully be entertained one one way or another, and learn what you need to learn to stay current in this big, wide world of Warhammer that we all enjoy. 
should you wish to support my podcast, which um, does have a poor, uh, a for pay subscriber half to it, which it goes behind a paywall, which you can get to by going to theartofwar40k.com or searching Art of War down under over on Patreon, please. And thank you very much to everyone who supported me so far. You're absolutely incredible. I couldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be 105 episodes in without you. It's just, it's just, this is not an easy job to do every week. Uh, multiple hours, usually an hour or so of prep uh, most weeks, and then a minimum of two hours recording every week. So you know, three three hours of my life every week for 105 weeks. But thank you so much to everybody who does. And hopefully, people can attest to uh, the part two's being worth it and uh, being where there's a lot of value. Also, for this one, we literally got a bunch of Patreon questions, a bunch of listener questions, subscriber questions. We're to be answering about what you guys want to know um good man hugh has been asked specifically i have a lot of nids and a lot of gsc in my meta i play blood angels what can i do what how do i how do i um you know get this matchup to be better and i've got two i got myself a two tuned experts that are gonna, I was gonna unpack that matchup for him and give him like a literal like 10 minutes of service just on the podcast what you can do talking directly to his questions if you want to have the same kind of service to yourself jump over get your questions answered over on the part twos if not we're also going to be talking about force of the hive mind archetypes and new press lists where these gents think lists are going in the future for Tyranids, for GSC, for Forces of the Hive Mind. Should you all be interested um, in what they're playing, what they're thinking of playing, what they think is good, come over and join us there as well. Jumping straight in, gents, I usually like to get a first uh, you know, account opinion hot take from each of you on these um, Super Faction episodes about where the Super Faction is right now. Dustin, you're up first. Where is Forces of the Hive Mind at as a whole? As a whole, nids are still very strong. There's, uh, they're they're all over the place. They still have a lot of play with uh, warriors. Even some of their alpha strike lists with the like, harpies and uh, that obviously the tyrant with the reaper is just a, just a menace. They have a lot of cool tricks in there. Their secondaries are not very good, but they play primary so well it doesn't matter as much. And they have a lot of good options for the secondaries mm-hmm. that already exist. Uh, well, that's mainly what you'll see in the meta though is pure nids. Even though they're secondaries, I think there's one that's kind of like sometimes we're taking, but for the most part, you will never see forces actually mixed right now. I don't see it very often, if if ever. And GSC is uh, people aren't people aren't being brave enough right now. There are a few there are a few soldiers out there that are that are doing <laughs> doing the forearm numbers work, but. Uh, <laughs> Not not enough yet. Not enough. Yeah. Yet. They they struggle. They, you you need to, you need to play them specifically. I won't go into details about that yet because I have my hot takes later on. But I think well, GSC are a lot stronger than people think they are. Mm-hmm. We just haven't uh, we haven't seen them being displayed as such. Yet. I haven't haven't really seen a need. And it's it's a really such a tale of a super faction as well that it kind of the Rob Peter the Pay Paul effect happens where there's a bunch of players like yourselves that play the whole super faction and when they do those players usually will play the strongest faction in that super faction which for yeah. a minimum the last three months has been Tyranids. Um, Alex, your turn. How's that super faction doing? Oh yeah, I mean Tyranids it's still fantastically strong. Obviously less so than they were before, but they were clearly far too good they had mm. an absurd like 65 percent plus win rate for far too long so i mean where they're at now i think what happened is that people thought they were going to be worse than they were because their secondary game was so poor but they didn't really take into account the fact that everyone else's outside of necrons and sisters were also going to get a lot worse yeah not everyone's but a, a good amount um i agree with dustin i think gsc is very underrated right now um i do still think it suffers from the you don't get to be a bad player and do well with gsc mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they are very technical and they are probably still the most glass cannon in the game um and then together unfortunately right now i think forces of the hive mind is literally being held back and when i say forces of the hive mind i mean using them in soup is literally being held back by one stupid word in the yeah. book that yeah. nothing else in the game has to I know exactly with. what you're talking about. Unpack that. Mm-hmm. Lay it on us. What's, what are you talking about? Okay, so in the I have it open to the page because I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> the, the specific wording is, so if everything else, it says that if you are in a soup with two different kinds, there's something that you lose. And for, uh, you know, Marines allying with whatever, okay, you lose your doctrines, uh, like yeah. super faction detachment. You, yeah, you lose that stuff. With Tyranids, you lose your uh, synaptic imperative. That's their like racial ability that you lose. But then in the one little paragraph here, high fleet adaptations, if every unit from your army, not detachment, is from the same high fleet, all high tendril units with this ability get the high fleet adaptations. Oh, so because, yeah, I remember this. So if you have GSC, apparently you don't actually get to be Kraken or Behemoth. Or Leviathan. You get to, you lose all of it. 
get nothing. So it would be like if I took guard with my salamanders, my salamanders lose all the salamanders traits. That you can reoccupy against them. You can yep. they don't get you, to real yeah. marines. Yes, that's it. <laughs> you are You're taking them straight for data sheets, and that's it. Yeah, scrub them back to yep. the bare plastic. They have no flavor. <laughs> yeah, and that, like that's I, wild. I clearly think that the intention is not that. It's strange that they have a separate, specific callout that nobody else has. I imagine it's just. I mean, you could even interpret that in a way that says, "Yes, you still get your high fleets because every unit in my army is from the same high fleet." Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't even have the high fleet keyword. So it's really, really poorly done. Yeah. Any tournament you go to, ask the TO to see how they're going to rule it. I think most will rule it against doing that. But I honestly do think that Forces of the Hive Mind, with still having access to being Kraken Behemoth, is actually stronger than the sum of its parts right now. Ooh, yep. nice. I would that. agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. Awesome to unpack. Because, yeah, my perception was because of clauses like that and the changes in Nephilim, Forces of the Hive Mind as, as a soup. To souping to a super faction army making a list from all the components was just dead in the water. I didn't think there was any option really there that would that would that would make it worthwhile. Um, I'm really interested to unpack that guys with you uh, down later in the episode about what that archetype looks like and what it has going for it apart and where it can really go from there. Um, a few things we mentioned. Um, Dustin mentioned the Reaper Tyrant, so that's the Flyant with the Reaper Obliterax. For those maybe who aren't aware, that is a essentially one of the most dynamic and killer units in the damn game, and it is just an absolute powerhouse. Uh, so when you guys said that um, secondaries changed dramatically, can you unpack for me what changed specifically for the Tyranid secondaries, um, Alex? And then I'll dust and I'll get you to do what, what has changed in Nephilim for the GSA. For sure. Yeah, okay. So the two biggest ones, of course, it's funny. There's actually four secondaries that went away, but two of them we don't care about. Yeah. The two that mattered were Stranglehold and To the Last. Mm. And Tyranids played those both very well. And between those two and Banners or a couple of the other ones, you could pretty much play your Tyranid army from your half of the board. Mm-hmm. And that forced your opponent to come to you. You never want to do that. They are they can do all three phases, uh, damage phases, I should say. But they are the best at combat. So forcing your opponent to come to you is like the worst case scenario. But you get just getting to say like, I'm going to get 15 on Stranglehold. I'm going to get 15 on To the Last. I'm going to get like 13 on Banners. Yeah, c- come and get me. Try and deal with this. And then you are just handing the Tyranids exactly the play style that they want. With those two secondaries gone, now the Tyranids have to come across the board. They might have to rush you down if you're a gun line. They just do not score the secondaries that they used to. Agreed. Um, what changed for the GSC secondaries in Nephilim? Well, it was the same thing with like the struggle holding to the last two, but I will say too, but uh, to the last, I uh, I use it in every single GSC list because GSC just did it so well, and it was just it was silly to not do it in a competitive setting. Mm. But I'm so happy it's gone because it has unlocked so many more tactics that I can now justify in my head doing with GSC. Well, because they they play more like GSC without, without they play more like GSC. Now. I don't yeah. need to worry about all this all this crap we need to keep in the background. But uh, the, the the three secondaries that they like they're co- they're codex secondaries. They all got better. One of them is still arguably the worst secondary in the game, but the other two. <laughs> <laughs> are actually very, very, very good now. So Brood Swarm is probably their best secondary right now that I think yeah, great. most uh, most GSC players that are playing pure GSC would, would be taking now, especially the builds they're going to be doing. But um, it used to be you got one point if you outnumbered your uh, opponents in your deployment zone, like the number, number of models and number of units. Mm-hmm. Another point if you outnumbered them in No Man's Land, and then another point if you outnumbered them their deployment zone, and then an additional point if you have all, four, if you have all three. So you get four points in total, mm-hmm. which... It wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was actually okay. But with Stranglehold, you would almost never take it. Yeah. Against maybe Knights and Custodes, I have I'd taken it against Knights once or twice before. Because then I didn't need to worry about contesting the objectives as much as like, I'm standing on them. But now, it's changed to... There's, they've added another part to that. Yep. Everything is the same, except they added... You also get a point now if you number them on the table. Hmm. <laughs> and then you get five points if you have all four. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's just a, it's, oof, it's great yeah it? It, it's against most armies you will be able to get 15 very easily and against the ones that will actually compete with you for the number of models you can usually get them off the table with your models faster so you'd still be able well, to get those even, even in a worst case scenario it's it's your deployment zone and the mid board for like two or three turns of the game yep. when you want them which is a great exactly. score anyway um exactly which is damn, damn fine so Jumping into the state of each one, respectively, I'm going to give my hot takes on Tyranids, yeah? So, so right now, Tyranids, 
for the last three months with pre-Nephilim, Tunis were the big bad. They were they were the best army in the game, almost undeniably, oppressively, phenomenally powerful. Like you, like Alex said perfectly, they're a three-phase army. They have a dynamic sh- a shooting phase, one of the best psychic phases in the game, a okay, very very you know kind of decent uh, shooting phase, and then a melee phase that was as good as anybody's, um, literally as mm-hmm. good as anybody's. And it was it was absolutely nuts, and they were all backed up by the fact that it was ultra durable, and then as durable as anyone else's army in the game for one possibly two turns of the game depending on your imperative choices and if you pick the right turns and such right so they went from that to essentially costing was it about is about was it about 18 19 percent more on the best list at the time which was the double harpy uh double flyer and um warriors raveners um pyrovores all that mixed up all the mid bugs um and then they got all their secondaries got nerfed into the ground their two best secondaries got removed they're removed for everybody but they are powering through the freaking meta still at a um, low 60% win rate off the back of having just, I think, the best data sheets in the game. At, at a minimum, they have the best troops choice in the game, which is the Tyranid Warrior. It's still, I believe, the best troop choice in the game, bar none. I don't think any other person's troops choice can claim to be a phenomenal shooting a shooting platform, a phenomenally quick platform, should you, resolve, should you wish to, enormously durable, and have the ability to actually kind of kill anything in the game. I don't think anybody else's troop choice can hold a candle to that. Please tell me if anything I just said was wrong, gents. And elaborate. Whoever wants to go. Go ahead, Alex, if you want. <laughs> um, I mean, you're, de- you're absolutely right on Warriors. Warriors going up five points was a little slap on the wrist. Like, hey, stop that now. To the point where other things went up as much or more. And people have started adding more Warriors than they used yeah. to. Even yep. though yeah. they went up in points. Yeah, most armies went up quite a bit. Um, it's, in my mind, the unfortunate part is I kind of believe that Tyranids have become less exciting. Now, not that to say that I was having a ton of fun, like literally just blowing people up, but <laughs> the fact that that's kind of what you're supposed to do now, like, okay, your secondaries suck, but don't worry, you can just still go table them, yeah. is a little bit less interesting of a gameplay. Well, it's it's uh, you don't have the option to play a trading game anymore. You'll just probably lose as Tyranids. What you have to do is push Bully the primary to oblivion. Like, give him give him donuts on primary for a turn or two. Like, to, and then you'll just... Yeah. Like, you just have to be... You have to play an impressive game style, which they're still able to do, right? Oh, oh 100%. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can still absolutely bully people down. It's, uh, it, it's... And this isn't a slap against anybody that still, like, obviously plays Tyranids because they're strong and they're competitive, so why wouldn't you? But they're just, they're boring to play to me right now. I don't, yeah. I don't enjoy their play style right now. Um, I, I wanted to, when this happened, when this changed, I wanted to be, I wanted it to be a reason to not take Leviathan as much. I, in my heart, I knew it wasn't, but I knew Leviathan's two biggest strengths was that it it, gave, it meant you, like, auto 15 uh, to the last and Stranglehold. And with those two being gone, I'm like, cool, maybe we'll see more Behemoth, more Kraken, maybe some, some spicy Jormungandr crap I haven't even thought of yet. Some freaking, uh, oh, we ju- we saw, um, Mr. Costello, uh, is it Matt Costello, Michael Costello, at um, BAO doing phenomenally well with a Hydra list. That was really exciting. I wanted to see more of that. And what we got was just no other reason to take anything else. Double, triple down on Leviathan, which I yep. think is what we're talking warriors, about, right? Warriors are still the best thing in the Codex right now. And even with that five-point slap on the wrist, like Alex said, Leviathan is still the best way to run them. Permanent transhuman, like it's... Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's nuts, man. So all right, all right. For everybody, anybody who might not be aware of the value proposition that comes with warriors, they're now thirty points a model. Yeah, yeah. They still come with free war gear. Yep. Aside so, from the big gun, yeah. A thirty points per model. Yep. You get a three shot strength five minus two one damage gun on a weapon skill blitz skill three platform, and then you get is it four attacks? But you can go up to five attacks with the bone swords, the twin bone swords. Yeah, uh, three time. up to four, but you can go up to five with a stratagem if you yeah, have with the adri- adrenaline glands. Yeah, yeah. yeah, with adrenaline glands. So yeah, up to five, and then you can get up to strength eight minus two, two damage with them. Or you can get rent three if you're Leviathan, have two squads in combat, yeah? Or you're Kraken in charge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I challenge anybody to find anything in the game. You don't doesn't even need to be a troop's choice. And this is a troop's choice. So it comes with freaking obsec. That holds a candle to what that can do for 30 points. A blade guard is 35. Yeah, has one less toughness. Has arguably you could you could argue it's it's comparably good in combat. Like you could even argue it's comparably good and comparably durable because it has a better armor save versus worse toughness. But doesn't have a freaking gun. Yeah, a gun has a freaking pistol. Let alone a three shot strength five minus two gun. It isn't anywhere near as quick or dynamic. It can't be as durable with trans. Well, it has to spend CP to be to have the same transhuman like effect. And they're five points more. Like it's actually ridiculous trying to find a comparison that makes tyrannies look reason. That makes warriors look reasonable. And I may we we may we may end up beating this dead horse into the ground on this episode. Apologies, everybody, but you guys need to know tyrannies are not okay. 
<laughs> um, listen, but let's let's ditch them for a moment. What else is making Tyrion so strong in the game right now? Sans the 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 um the flyer as well. We'll talk about him in a minute. So there's a couple other options too. I actually see a lot of people taking one Tyrannocyte to give some versatility. So either like maybe putting a Harpy in there or the Pyrovores to drop in do a good Alpha Strike because their uh, Tyrannocyte is their drop pod and it itself actually doesn't do too bad because it mm-hmm. moves around. It can tie things up in combat. Has 15 shots hitting on fives, but I mean it's it's a giant giant pod that can really wreak havoc too. I see a lot of that. That's another common thing to see. Like, we see the Harpy builds for good alpha strikes because they they have their their venom cannons double venom cannon is uh is dangerous even though it went up in points so i've actually seen a couple of them bring barbs the barb stranglers now but yeah. i still think the venom cannons are better i think the other thing we, we see sometimes is the uh carnifex builder more specifically the screamer killers because of their yeah. enormous amount of attacks in close combat of like i could just flip a knight without thinking so but i mean Really, it comes down to their psychic powers as well, because they'll have they'll almost always have a zoanthrope squad for the mm-hmm. mass invuln uh, imperative, uh, plus some mortal wounds. They'll have a neuranthrope to give uh, an extra dice when you're doing psychic powers. You'll see some, uh, you still see some using the malacepter for more psychic power and just durability, but the majority of lists I think right now will all have at least like the, obviously the tyrant, the tyrant guard, the zoanthropes, a neuranthrope, and then the rest of it's really their own flavor of what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Min- minimum fifteen warriors. Minimum fifteen warriors generally, unless you're not Leviathan. If you're not Leviathan, I got other okay, questions for you. But if you're not Leviathan, then you can get it. You can get away with not using as many warriors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just depends whether you're Kraken or or Behemoth or, or whatnot, right? Um, and then that pretty much informs your decision from there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Kraken absolutely. can take you down some heavier into Ravener path. Raveners that move 20 is pretty spicy. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of the people that I know have been experimenting with a 15 Tyrant Guard Behemoth build, which is pretty Ooh. hilarious. Ooh. Oh, nice. You shift into the extra cover safe, mm-hmm. and yep. you've got Behemoth uh, Tyrant Guards that are like strength 7 with their running claws and are a 0 plus save in cover. That sounds and pretty rough. T6, 4 wounds, 0 plus save is very, very hard to shift. And we noticed that there wasn't really a whole lot of ignore line or ignore cover saves in the game right now mm-hmm. a lot of it seemed to be attached to indirect fire that nobody wants to take so yeah it's pretty funny to just watch like las cannons ping off your tyrant guard like it's yeah. nothing. well it's pretty interesting you point that out because we say that their their archetypes have had to skew into bullying the primary and that just sounds like that's just te- dialing that up to 11 out of 10 mm-hmm. with the, the tyrant no, absolutely. guard yeah you um, slam them in you get them onto a central objective and yeah. your behemoth so yeah. you literally can't charge them without losing the unit that's coming in exactly right make them fight on death mm, it's kind of nuts yeah the fight exactly right there's, there's no trading there's no trading up ever no. it's like i have to throw and just give 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 it all away um we're going to transition talking about gsc boys which i think is much more exciting personally i love gsc as a faction it's a faction i would like to play one day in the future and my hot take comparison for gsc right now is that they are craft world elder except don't get to do any damage from your deployment zone you have to be <laughs> You have to so if think about the damage output of Craftwood Elder, except at engagement range. <laughs> and you unlock all the issues with the faction right now. Because I've found that their damage output is really good. They have like a one I only think they have one extremely good data sheet that's well pointed and versatile, and that's the Jackal Bikes. I think those that's the I think that's the best unit in the codex. I think for points, for durability, for dynamics, for shenanigans, the only thing they can't do is they can't really just just delete squads very effectively, depending on what you're up against. Like Armor Contempt really really hurt them more than others. But they have a very dynamic playstyle. They're very exciting. They've and I've I've never seen somebody more happy with themselves as a gamer than when they win games playing G- as GSC. You just, I just I just look in their eyes and I'm like, I want what they've got right now. That maestro feeling that like everything just came together. My, you know, combined arms, crazy ten, forearm, 10 brain scheme just worked and I won. It was great. And I, I, I'm assuming you guys can relate to that. Oh, it is it is so satisfying. Because you know, like I, Alex said at the beginning of the podcast, it's, it's not an army that you can not be a good player and use and win well with because it is so calm to actually do well there's so much intricacy to it with the crossfire even the way their secondaries work how you need to trade with them effectively and how you need to position because you need to think two three moves ahead like more so than you would with uh, a lot of other armies because if you if you misplay one of your units it, it you're dead like it's, there's no forgiveness with the gsc so it's so satisfying when you when you win it's a great feeling yeah yeah when you when you win with gsc you know you've played the game yeah correctly there's no just like oh 
oh, okay, cool. I just kind of blew him up. I rolled four ups. Yeah, right? Like, there's none of that. It's the deep strikes happened when they were supposed to. The uh, the traps happened when they were supposed to. Every time that I was able to deal damage, it was to a point where I was able to clear that unit, and I don't take anything in return. It was using Kellomorphs to, like, drop in, shoot, get onto an objective, and steal something that should have been impossible to steal. Yeah, it is just, like, how many tricks can you stack into one run of a game? Playing against GSC, which is something I do probably more than most one a couple of the very good players in my meta play gsc pretty prolifically it's always been a bit of a perception of mine that they're going to do at least two or three three things in the game that i'm not going to see coming i know some new players who dread playing gsc for exactly that reason because they feel like by default they're going to i'm going to get gotcha'd and it's not the GSC player's fault. That's just how the book is built. The book is built to do things unexpectedly. And that's the whole purpose. Like, cool, I've got three units that on the, on the turn that they pop up, they're all going to do things. One's going one's gonna to charge 3d6 away. Oh, cool, I managed to position them on the other side of a wall when you were trying to set up Flame or Overwatch into another squad. I'm going to get you, I'm going to eat you. Stuff like that. The Kellamov trick you just pointed out, Alex, so hard to account for. Um, and there's such a burden of knowledge that comes with playing GSC. Like, if I was to sit and explain to my opponent exactly everything I could do to them, I I would have way less chance of losing. But that's what you have to do in a competitive game. Um, so is there any stigma around GSC? And if there is, it, who's, who's, whose realm does this, whose responsibility does it sit in? So with GSC, in my experience too, because I, I always, I, I, I like to play fun games. I, I want my, my opponent to have fun too. And that's one of the reasons that I actually, I enjoy playing GSC as well, because even when I'm winning, my opponent is killing so much of my stuff that they're generally having fun too. So I want to make sure that I don't get with gotchas. I, I hate, I hate, hate gotchas. I hate winning with gotchas. So I will, like as they're moving, I will often point out, just remember I can do this, this, and this kind of thing. I'll, I'll keep pointing it out because it's not just... I do think it's on the GSC player, too. And I think that's the case for a lot of the codexes, too, because it's impossible for everybody to know everything, right? It's impossible. This game is so robust. There's so many little, like, one-offs, and there's so many interactions that unless you are a faction expert, you will not know that this is a thing. So if you're if you're playing one of these games against... Specifically GSC, because they have so many intricacies in, in, in there, but you don't... I, I hate not telling these people what things i can do so i always go over everything with them i tell them as they're moving things that i can do and i, I just feel like it's 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 on you to, to tell them that it's it's not yeah, yeah. right it, 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 am i am i wrong in thinking that I, well so so here's here's it's, it's it's kind of damned if you do damned if you don't right um because i've 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 glazed over i play against gsc players who've been telling me all the stuff they're gonna do to me and i'm like just <laughs> just glaze right over and so that's what I think you have to do. Not that you're trying to get to that effect, but you have to tell them everything you can do, you know? And if they take it in, that's on them. <laughs> you know, if they ask you the right yep. questions, that's on them. But you have to be willing to explain everything, I think, is the, is the point. Yeah. You have to be willing. Well, it's, 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 an, it's an important thing to do for you as a player, too, if you ever want to improve. Like, if they, if they don't know all the stuff and you beat them with one of the things you, you don't know, that's not... Yep. It's not yeah. a good feeling. No. And you want to make sure, like, if I win, I want to win because I, I still outplayed you even though... You knew everything I could do, kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, Alex, is GSC the hardest army in the game to play with at the moment? I think so. Sisters are fairly technical as well. But I feel like they have more better form. They have more bailout buttons. Yeah, they have more uh, get out of jails, you know? Yeah, exactly. But there's still a lot of things to do in Sisters to make the machine run smoothly, and you can definitely break the links, and then suddenly the whole thing falls apart, which is very similar to GSC. You miss a character coming in, like, ah, maybe I should have brought him in turn two instead of turn three, and then I missed out on some buffs. Yep. I didn't clear the unit. Now I lose that instead of getting, like, a trap or a return to the shadows. Like, there's a lot of really, really minuscule, like, breakpoints on, like, the math. I would say that they're probably the most complicated, um, and they are the least forgiving because your stuff yeah. absolutely just disappears if it gets looked at. So I've, I was playing some Black Templars previously i played a game of uh, black templars into into gsc and i had the one bones of mordred unit of five vanguard veterans with um lightning claws and storm shields back when it was good and it just ran through his whole army 
He couldn't stop it. It's just acolyte bomb went in, spiked the the inv- the four plus invulns, and just killed the unit. Cool. The, the charge off, kill another unit. Ah, uh, he brings another unit in, charges it. Ah, uh, I got two guys left. They kill the whole unit of ten dudes because of all the spillover mortal wounds. Cool. Go kill another unit. That stuff can just happen to you with GSC, like where one thing just runs right through you. It feels like it. And for that, I think maybe only guard is as bad. Um, as in, like, you can't mess up. But at least Guard does it from their their board edge. Like, they do it from their deployment yeah. zone. GSC does it from engagement range. Is there any recourse to not playing that style of an army? For GSC, you mean? For GSC. Is there an archetype there that would be more forgiving for new players? Absolutely. That's actually the style list that I'm moving into right now with GSC, I feel, is actually uh, more forgiving for new players, but it's still it's still going to be complicated. But it's it's... Less about I. I hope he doesn't spike his four up invulns kind of thing. You're not. You're not trading piece for piece all the time. It's you got to go neophyte heavy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think neophytes are, are getting. That, I remember when they first came out. Um, I was practicing games with John Lennon, and John Lennon was all about the neophytes. He was playing two or three blocks of twenty neophytes, and they were doing really good work. Um, like really good work. But they went away. Why would they go away? Why have they disappeared? To be completely honest, I don't think they did. I think that's just where players moved away play. from because just dropped it. Yeah, the yeah. They, they they popped in with the the nids and like all the cutters or the twisted helix because hey, twisted helix faster, stronger, better, right? It's yeah, just, yeah. This is the way you play, yeah. and the twisted helix was really good. But it just went into that play style of if they spike and you don't, you mm. lose that trade, and it just goes downhill from there. So it was a great list. It still is. It's just a matter of it's a very. Uh, it's a list that relies a lot on dice, mm. more so than other styles. I, in and, my opinion, and it's it's so weird to say that because we have ha- we have seen such a we've seen such a style of play in in, in like the mid the mid ninth. We're, we're kind of in the mid to end of ninth edition now. We've probably got about twelve months left of ninth edition, give or take, if the rumor, yeah. if if any rumors are, be, are to be believed. Um, and so, but for the middle part of ninth edition, I would tell I would say to people I would describe this as the part of the edition where the dice didn't matter. Because mm-hmm. Eldari was super strong, they didn't care about dice. They just made things happen. Sisters super strong, they don't care about dice. They just make things happen. Tyranids don't care about dice. Like they never cared about dice. Oh no! Oh, I rolled a little bit under. I don't give a crap. Synective imperative activated. Make make it go away. Um, <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. They, 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 we've gotten to a point in the game where dice don't really matter. If 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 five repenture charge the the unit, the five repenture meant to charge, they they kill it. You don't even need to roll the yeah. dice. It's so so few instances where the dice make a difference. I really feel like that's that's a, that's indicative of the current state of the game, and you're telling me GSC are such a dice reliant, such a variance heavy army. Do you feel like that's the biggest cap on their ceiling for power? No, see, this is the thing. Well, when I'm saying the dice are a cap for them, I'm saying the twisted helix build. Oh, sorry. Yeah, because there are ways to build them that it's not as much of a cap because you can make their you can make their variant a lot a lot better with uh, just Primus and core stuff too, and industrial affinity and passion like there's 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 the there's the key for me right there that's what i i always run industrial affinity and passion because it makes all of my close combat big weapons and all of my guns that i all my good guns rather yeah just way more efficient than what they do so i actually can trade better even without having to go in sometimes because of the neophytes and i know when i'm attacking something i'm going to do more damage than i would on average with other other builds that I would because hitting on threes sometimes you're rolling ones maybe like it's it's just not as reliable and now even with with like a Nexos and Primus with uh, uh, the bikes even they get like a, a four man with two demo charges they can actually kill a lot of stuff yeah dude I I totally agree um I did mention the jackals as being what I thought was the best the best data sheet in that book when I did my little hot take at the start Alex how do you feel about jackals do you feel like they're up there um. I'd have to disagree that they're the best thing in the book. They're yeah. up there. Um, I honestly don't take very many of them. They're a fantastic utility unit, but I'm not... When I think of something that I consider the best unit of the, in the book, it's something that I think I can take a large quantity of, yep. and I don't think I'm ever running more than like 10 to 12 of the bikes, mm-hmm. which doesn't make scream to me like, hey, it's, a, it's literally five-ish percent of your list. I don't really see that as the best unit in the book. I still think it's Acolytes. Yep. Um, they are great thieves. They're good in combat. They can do weird things with shooting. I've been running some weird hive cult stuff because doing actions and shooting is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And again, they're just one of those things. They are like the heavy lifters. You want that night dead? Don't worry. Here's a bunch of flat three that's just going to literally scoop a full 24 wound night with buffs. 
Yeah. They so the fact that they can do all of it, the fact that they can be your points getters, be your hammer blow, be your technical, be your your thieves, like playing the primary really well is what puts them over anything else. Mm. But that's not to say I don't pretty much always have a minimum of one four man bike unit in my army. I think pl- so the, the the couple of archetypes we've been seeing coming out of Australia are Max Blacks, three units of Max Blacks. Is that in the Pupper Prince like regeneration five plus invulnerable save build? Uh, um, it has the regeneration. Um, has the ability mm-hmm. to br- bring about like a wolf quad to every squad every turn. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Uh, I, but it's all it's all custom. Like it's all industrial affinity and that stuff. Um, okay. And those build, I've played against that build quite a lot. I've, I've got like four or five reps into that build specifically, and I can tell you, it's really hard to handle because what happens is they they kind of like just stay at max distance from you and just hold objectives, and then when you push out, they respond with acolytes. Like, you push out to go try and come to groups with these things that are really hard to kill and shoot dead, and they just keep resurrecting on you. Um, and they're doing little plink damage, like they're just plinking away. Oh, cool, you have you, you threw out one thing to stop me getting a 12. These bikes are going to kill it. You're going to do the same thing next turn. And then, oh, you actually made a full commitment. Double or triple acolyte bomb responds. Um, and it's, it's it felt like a good build then, but then it comes into some profiles that just kill bikes. Um, like, just, just, like... I think Halo Doom's a good one. Halo Doom, well, when Halo Doom with Norse Cover was good, it just wrecked the bikes to, to absolute bits. Is that a thing, Dustin? One of my pre-game move squads I've been playing with a while is a max bike squad. I've found it to be a lot more killing than people expect. Yeah. Like, a lot more killing. And with the changes to the ambush secondary, having them come out of a blip and getting, like, first turn shooting and charging to get full ambush points on turn one if you go first is phenomenal. But... It, well, something that a lot of people don't realize, and I'm, I, when I say a lot of people, I mean GSE players especially, because I'm assuming like nobody that doesn't play GSE knows this, but the little uh, improvised weapon you give them, that's industrial. Yep. So <laughs> they could use all the strats with that. They can get plus one strength. They can reroll mm-hmm. wounds against vehicles and monsters. They ignore modifiers with industrial affinity. Like it is, they actually do work. <laughs> they do. Um, transitioning to a bit of a meme. Alex, what do they have to do to make Aberrants good? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, where do we start? (laughs) Um, Their durability is not bad. Three wounds with damage reduction is pretty solid. Mm -hmm. It's got to be the damage output. The damage output is just so sad right now. Why have they got two two attacks? Two? Two? Why have they got two? Yeah, they need three, or they need, like... I think another one is... Let me make sure... We use them so often, we just, you know... Yeah, we just not have top of our heads. <laughs> as, as I unplug my mic, so, anyway. For those of you who don't um, know, in 8th edition, there was a GSC archetype called Muscle Beach, which had two, sometimes three units of aberrants. And aberrants used to hit like Death Company hit now. Essentially, that's the comparison. They, they would hit so freaking hard, and they were like... They weren't ultra durable for the addition, but they were medium to high level durability and, and exceptionally durable by GSC standards. Like you, a GSC, you can remove just about anything with enough bolt guns. You can't, you can't kill aberrants with bolt guns. Was was pretty much what was up. And they, they just annihilated everything. They nerfed their damage output so hard, it's it's unrecognizable almost. Um, and it's yeah, actually- they also took away their their stock field of pain. Now you have to take a buff unit that can only give one a turn, basically. Yeah, it's yeah sad. And then. Also, the other thing, and I've made sure that I've done this correctly now, but the buff character for them used to be really good. Like, the Abominant was, like, 80 points, mm-hmm. hit pretty hard, had a very unique profile. I think he's one of the very first D3 plus 3 damage profiles in the game. He gave the Aberrants exploding sixes. Yeah. Like, there was some pretty serious sauce there, and now it's like, oh, he gets reroll hits. And he's like, lol. I think he's, like, over 100 points, and he's trash as well. So now... You have all it's like the old GSC was very like we'll call it tax heavy. Like we talk about how insane those aberrants were, and it, they truly were nuts for the time. But they typically had like a four hundred point retinue behind them, actually making them hit that hard. Mm-hmm. But they would lift more weight than the buffing units behind them. And now like the buffing units are still very expensive, really don't do much for them, and it just doesn't function the same way. You can't plunk four characters behind them and yeet those guys in there and go and destroy the world because now those four characters just immediately die. Yeah. Rather than because of the way the character targeting rules have changed. So it just mechanically the game has changed and it doesn't function the way it used to. Agreed. Dustin, what could they do to fix them? Uh, more attacks, increased AP, and give them back their stock field of pain for the love of God. Like, so that's, that's a full data. <laughs> that's a full data sheet rewrite. Yeah, yeah. Like seriously, 
Because I, I mean, everybody's like, "Oh, just drop the points, drop the points." Like, I still nah. wouldn't take them. No, nah. like, they'd I have to be maybe yeah. maybe five points more than an Acolyte if I even consider taking them at this exactly point. Exactly right. Because you can just take an Akko with a with a with a rock saw, and it does. You can take two full everything. squads of heavy weapon Acolytes instead of a full squad of aberrants. Like it's it's just no. And they do so much more, man. Like how many yeah. taxes an Akko with a with a rock saw have? They have two. They have two. Yeah, so the same. But the half same, the, they're but half the cost. Half the cost. <laughs> more AP. Yes. Yes. More relevant Way buffs more as well. Because uh, aberrants aren't core, are they? They are not. They're not core. So nope. could they could they get a boost by just be given core theoretically? It would, would it be a boost? Yes. Would it would make it be them enough? worth taking? Uh, it would make them worth it in the Popper Prince build. Fair. Well, that's something. That's that's, that's something. small something, right? You know there. what? If they got core, I would try a Popper Prince aberrant Muscle Beach. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, jumping into talking about forces as a soup. So talking about the combined arms approach, I know it's kind of dead in the water because of the, you know, depending on the, what your ruling is for your tyranny's portion of it losing its legitimate chapter tactic, you know. That if, if that has happened, this is not a conversation. But theoretical, boys, or if you have any spicy skew lists that you think are worth chatting about, the floor is open. You've been talking about it more than I have, Alex. You go yeah. ahead. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've built a bunch of them because I think the style wise it's very interesting we'll see if a major would allow me to take it but i mean you basically just take whatever core really cool typical tyranid list that you'd want to take yep and then you just chop out 300 points and put a bunch of tech pieces in and it works mm-hmm. phenomenal it's basically just playing tyranids with 300 points that are like yeah there's all my secondaries Ooh, okay explain extrapolate what 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 is the so i'm assuming we're talking about a generic you know uh warrior heavy flyrant harpy or two uh, Tyranid Leviathan build, and then what do you think gets removed? I'm assuming what gets removed is you know a, a, the couple of pyrovores or you know biovores you may have the Tyrannicide, the, the little bits and pieces, and then what you, I'm I'm hearing you're adding characters and a bunch of five mans. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, my list is either Leviathan or Kraken. I think either works for yep. this just fine. Neuro Tyrant with the expected stuff, three by five warriors. I have Death Leaper. I've got Tyrant Guard, Venomthropes, Zoanthropes, the usual. And then Tunis of Raveners, like full five mans, Ooh. single Biovore for Annoyance Factor. And then it is Hive Cult, Magus, and then three packs of uh, Acolytes with Hand Flamers. And in Hive Cult, I get to shoot and action. So they get to drop uh, down yeah. Hand Flamer a squad and then still perform R&D. R&D. Yeah, so that you're, you're trying to flip an objective, get R&D, possibly engage yep. as well. That's really cool. One of those I have paid for the shop within three. Yeah, of course. To pretty much ensure that I get to steal something from somebody. Yep. Um, and that is literally all of the secondaries that I'm looking at. I can take R&D, which is like a literally guaranteed with three units of Acolytes, especially one that's showing up at three inches. Yeah. That is easy behind enemy lines. One deep strikes in the back, does R&D in that back corner, and also is supplied a Ravener squad, so there's four points for behind enemy lines. And then I have a cheap little Magus sitting in the center with a Psychic Familiar going Warp Ritual every turn, or Psychic Interrogation, uh-huh. take your pick. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, a lot of the time you don't want your Neuros to be doing that, you don't want your Flyer to have to be that close to the middle if you don't want to, so that opens yeah, that up phenomenally. Their Psychic abilities are just too important yeah. and casted too successfully, and a lot of times you get into the situation where you are casting such great spells that they go like, son of a bitch, I have to stop these. By the time they get the choice where you're saying like, okay, well here comes Psychic Interrogation, okay, you don't have any anymore yeah yeah spot on i i love that idea dude i think that's actually phenomenal can we conjure any other archetypes apart from that one because that just sounds like that is just a leviathan list with spice right and i love the spice i love the tech because essentially it's, it's actually, you can just start pulling the killing power out of tyranids and slowly start supplying it to well, uh gsc so you take you drop a raffiner squad and you put in a 10-man acolyte squad with all the fixings well, it, it does the same thing as, as the raveners but yeah. different damage exactly. profiles right Different damage profiles may arguably hit even harder. Yeah. Um, not quite and, as durable and not quite as fast, but they, they hit so much harder and they have a bit more... Uh, I think they have a yeah. bit more versatility in terms of the threats, too. I think a big thing is that either both of them just die or both of them get to overrun slash return to shadows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is huge. They both have so, the same kind of tricks, too. Yeah. So then you can do that. If you want, you can add in a Keller Morph, who is that mixture of uh, careful about your characters and I will steal objectives and um, just like good technical play. Yep. Uh, you can go with a bike unit so that you have a forward advance to take away first turn charges rather than having to shoot yourself in the nuts with taking regular turn of gene stealers. Yes. Um, 
there's like there's just all these little tech pieces. You basically, I think you can start with that Tyranid. You can start with this list, and then if you want more GSC, you just start pairing backwards. You can drop a single Biovore. You can drop one of the Ravener squads. You can drop the Zoanthropes, because you're not getting synaptic imperatives. And you can just keep feeding in however much GSUs you want until you hit kind of the there's kind of a threshold where you're running out of efficient GSC units that can work independently. You'll eventually get to a point where you go, okay, if I go any heavier into GSC, I now have to start feeding characters and build like an entire package to make this work. But up until a certain point, you can just kind of pair the tear in its back and find the balance you want. Yes, exactly right. Yep. And just find the one that, that suits you and makes sense to you. Hmm. And dude, actually really exciting because, I mean, you're taking away things that don't add to the primary bully factor that Leviathan inherently has and adding the secondary game that they lack. I think that makes a lot of sense. As long as, as long as like, you know, I'll put this all under the caveat that your TO rules in such a way that you still retain those bonuses. And uh, is it weird? Have you, have you sent in complaints to G-Dub on this, on this topic being like, uh, big question mark, why is this worse than everyone else's soup options yeah why is this written this way we're, we're canadian yeah. adam we send letters all the time but they're not rude they're very polite <laughs> hello concert <Would> you... <laughs> <laughs> very sorry extremely sorry i do apologize for asking would you uh, like to explain why you're wrong <laughs> let's explain why you're wrong yes exactly there, there's like the, the thing is with force of the high mind that that one simple change and that list becomes so good like so many options like with the tech pieces like alex was talking about or if you want to go more heavy into like a killing list you can do that too just you just go like most of your melee threats from uh gsc because you lose crossfire so they're not going to do their shooting in there and you can add your yeah. shooting elements with harpies carnifexes tyrants whatever you want to do with tyranids and you get both both pieces be able to play the secondary game and that be good at both shooting and close combat and it's just yeah. it feels there's so even good. a build of that i'm pretty sure that works with forum number Mm-hmm. Yep, and then you've got your rerolls for free on the ten man uh, trap sprung acolyte squad coming in. You've got access to vect. I'm a really big fan of making it so that uh, falling back from combat is more expensive. Yep, three CP pretty much takes that off the table, or an interrupt. Actually, I don't remember if exactly how that one works. I've played forum down for very little. This is mostly just theory craft. Uh, and then the last one that's really fun is undermine is a disgusting spell. <laughs> yeah, it is. What does it do? It is half your movement, half your advance, and minus two off your charge. GG. So basically, yeah, that's, that's you cool. can just say, oh yeah, that squad that you paid 350 points for Terminators, they're useless now. Well, so this is the one thing I keep I keep waiting to see pop up in this current meta, because it feels like this meta is very trade-heavy. It's like, oh cool, I want to trade a five-mans and ten-mans and five-mans and ten-mans each turn of the game, and then people just be like, well... Apart from, I guess, I guess apart from Tyrannies, a lot, a lot of the, the game is going back to merely MSU with, you know, Sisters. Um, a lot of, a lot more Harlequins are popping up now. Well, at least in my meta, I'm seeing a lot more Harlequins. Knights, you know, trading a War Dog here or there, trading an Armager here or there. Um, and so just being able to say, cool, I'm trading up, and you're oh, the one you're lining up to trade with me next turn, you're not going to be able to use that one. Um, and that becomes a real big problem for a lot of people. The So transitioning into our next topic, um, best and worst things going for each um, for each of these respectively. I think we've already covered this in a broad sense, but just to boil it down for people, um, what is the... We've already kind of done the best, so we're going to focus a bit on the worst. So what's the worst thing in the meta right now for Tyranids? Or the worst it's, worst part of the game right now for Tyranids, apart from secondaries? It's got to be secondary. Okay. Yeah, so just, well, yeah. yeah, we've already touched on secondaries. <laughs> I would say any army that is not going to allow you to bully them off the... This is kind of just an extrapolation off of the fact that their secondaries are bad. Mm-hmm. If you go up against an army that can just say, like, hey, no, you don't get to take me off the primaries, or not fast enough, yep. then you're actually in a lot of trouble. Because yep. there are some armies that still just get to say, like, maybe, like, some, like, Terminator Heavy Death Guard builds, where now the Warriors don't actually hit that hard because yep. of the minus one damage, or Custodes, where you can just sometimes say, like, hey, man, that's a tough break. I still get a three-plus armor save against you, or I just, like, if they spike their four pluses. If their secondary games are better than yours, yep. and you don't get to take them off the primaries, you're in trouble. Yep. Or the other way to do it is circumnavigate it. Fire. Also, this is perfect. You answer this perfectly, by the way, Alex. I wanted to really talk about, take it to the other side of the coin, talk about what other people do against these armies, which we'll be doing even more of in part two. But for me, I think people should start, because we already know that trying to kill your way through Tyranids is extremely hard. There's only a handful of armies that can do it. Start thinking about taking what I just mentioned, some half movement stuff. If they if they come to have to try and bully you off the mid board, make them do it slower. Um, or uh, 
maybe we start seeing stuff like the Reaver Lieutenant come back in. So you go up and turn off OBSEC and just, you don't have to kill them. You circumnavigate them. Turn off OBSEC, one intercessor takes that objective back for you. You didn't have to break your game plan. didn't have to give away half your army trying to remove them and maybe failing. And then you're just turning off what they're trying to do. Little tech pieces like that can really go a long way versus the Leviathan builds. Um, Dustin, anything else to extrapolate on there? No, I think that you nailed most of it on the head. There's a lot of like really durable obsec things that uh, prevent you from winning the primary game early on. The things that uh, will turn off your obsec, maybe prevent you from actually getting on those objectives. Because as, as fast as warriors can be, they c- can be very slow too. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, typically is that one unit is fast per turn. Yes, yes. Yep. that's the one get, getting fed the kraken stratagem. That's the one getting fed. Onslaught, onslaught, so we can advance yeah. and charge. Yep. Um, and yeah, then there's stuff like that, prioritizing your denies for onslaught, your, your four plus deny, your ones per game deny. Um, big deal for Dark Angel players out there, being a Dark Angel player. Take Watched is, is huge first tier in its. Um, either the turn that they really need to um, to go and contest the middle, turn off onslaught so they can't make the objective, or turn off catalyst so you get to kill the warriors. Stuff like that is a really I've big deal. I've seen so many Tyranid lists, uh, Tyranid games fall apart the moment. They fail an onslaught. Uh, me too. Me too. The game plan just uh, just just goes to hell. Yeah. Even just putting- I I, actually, I I I force myself to not take it a lot of the time, just so I know not to rely on it because it screwed me so many times. Mm. Also, in melee, am I right in saying that um, Tyranid warriors uh, specifically are very vulnerable to minus one damage in melee? Yeah, if you are if you are minus one damage against them, they they yeah the wheels, the wheels come off, off a little bit. The, the wheels do come off. Mm. Um, all right. So, anything else we can we can think about trying to unpack or break the um, the Tyranid matchup for people? How, how how do people how do people navigate the the Flyrin? I We've dodged him so far, um, but he is a big problem for people. And on, th- on top of that, I would go so far as to say is he's a tilting element. Um, mm. the, the the Flyrin with the Reaper of Obliterax is a tilting element in the Tyranid matchup for people. The way to view the Reaper Flyrin is he is a gun that punches you. <laughs> he never stays where he lands, right? He, goes he back. does not function like a close combat unit. He he functions like a 25-inch-ish range gun. He yeah. just happens to be shooting you in the face from two feet away. The way to try and combat him is find a spot where the either the flyrant cannot overrun behind uh, obscuring, find a spot where you drag him far enough forward that he can't get back to the tyrant guard, or if you can do it, which again is hard because he's insanely fast, try and do it in a way where you have layered your characters into your army so you can uh, heroically intervene in. Because if you can suddenly give him a second target and he cannot kill you, he cannot overrun away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that might mean sacrificing a 160-point character, but for killing the tyrant, totally worth it. Agreed. There's also a thing to be said for uh, the tyrant. So the tyrant got... He's very good at killing stuff that um, only has a few models in it. Like, he'll go in, smash five Terminators, run away. Um, doesn't necessarily kill t- 10 Terminators in one go. Doesn't necessarily kill 10 anything in one go. In fact, probably doesn't. So, it's a good call if you do combat squad or things like that. Take some bigger units, keep them together. So, if he does charge in, you need you need to put the burden on them to have killed three or four of XYZ squad before the Reaper goes in. Otherwise, it doesn't get doesn't get to run away with over with um, overrun, and you get to kill him because you keep someone in engage range. Uh, so that's always been one that I always thought about in my head playing Dark Angels. Like, don't combat squad my Termies. Keep all the big blocks together. Hell, if I'm taking ten intercessors, keep them together, even though it's kind of worse for contesting primary. Um, anything else, Dustin? In that matchup? Oh, the matchup in general, I think one of the things that uh, people need to start doing, if you have the option to it, is bring denies in your list. Like, there's so much psychic in the game right now, not just here, and it's you just you need to be able to deny secondaries as well. Because a lot of armies are going to go into a game like, all right, I'm going to take this uh, psychic secondary. And the moment you have deny and can try and deny that, can really ruin their game plan. Add some doubt, is what you're saying. Add some doubt, exactly. Make them look at that secondary and go, maybe I shouldn't take that. You know? Yeah, agreed. All right, transitioning to the GSC matchup, which I think is easier and harder in some <laughs> respects to unpack for the opposition. So we'll start. We'll start with you, Dustin. You're playing against GSC um, as the opponent. What are the questions that are you should ask your GSC opponent pregame? Oh, jeez. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, give us give us like your your top three then. Top three ones top you must three. ask. Do you have the pregame move? Which unit has it? Yep. 
Do you have the lying weight, like the just coming outside of three inches and what unit has it? Those are two major ones. Third one, how many Oculate squads do you have? Yeah, yeah. Do you, and, the one I always ask is, do you have uh, cutters or drills? Yeah, like which which heavy weapons do you have? Yeah, do you I, have I, cutters I or drills? I, yeah. I normally bring both, but I'm, um, yeah. Yep. Um, I also, do, all, do all of your tanks have demolition charges? <laughs> yes, do all uh, of your tanks have demolition charges? That's a good one. That's the walkie that lets them auto-explode, yeah? Should. With the same thing? Yeah, if they have guys inside, they can, they can hawk demo charges every turn, which is pretty cool. Um, Alex, same same question. Anything that Dustin didn't hit on, the pre-game questions? I mean, it's so hard because those are the kind of questions that you ask your opponent in general, that that's asking like, what mechanically is your army able to do? And then we've refined it to okay, specifically what you're asking gene stealer players to do because their mechanics are a little different. Yeah. But beyond that, you're starting to get into really weird questions, and we're talking about like weird tricks that can be pulled off. Stuff like landing out of deep strike with a Keller morph, shooting and then moving. Yep. Um. So this is really the part where Dustin was highlighting the fact that he tries to run through everything with his opponents because. I think, generally speaking, people are getting pretty good about asking the right questions at the yeah. beginning of a game. Like, hey, what's the threat range on your shooting units? Yeah. Uh, what's your big anti-tank unit? What's your kind of key linchpin character? They know those general questions to ask, but I don't think a lot of people just know the correct questions to ask a Gene Steeler Carl player. There's just so much weird crap in there. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, like, why does your army have a Vect spell where you can increase my uh, my cost of command or stratagems why does your army have like move shoot move on three of your characters like there's certain things that i just don't think people are going to know to ask and that's where it really comes to the gene sealer cult player to bring that forward to not get them on the weird stuff i also always ask generically and this is especially important versus gsc do you do you have fights first fights last if so what sources are they stratagems are they psychic powers are they war gear options or wall of traits like you know and do you have heroic interventions I, I, the one I always get people to explain, because I can never seem to stick it in my head, is how the bodyguard works. Like, so how you can intercept wounds, how that right. works. I always ask yeah. that one. I always have to get that. Ex- always have to get that explained to me at the start of every game, and then again in like the the two fight phases where it's going to come up. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, always. actually, there is another question that you should ask uh, GSC players. Not a lot of them use it right now, which kind of bothers me because I think it's the best thing in the codex right now, but. You should ask them if they have the ability to respawn. Yes, that's a good one. Because it is in the command phase. Yeah, that's a really good one. Which can lead to more theft of primaries. <laughs> yes, much more theft of primary. The amount of times that I've put a single little neophyte on an objective, they've shot it. It's like, oh, you took that one off. All right, cool. So that objective's not yours anymore. I'm like, ah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. All right, and last thing I want to talk on before we tune out is Brie Brothers. I left it to luck, lucky last because I don't think there's much to mention here. Um, but I'm hoping, fingers crossed, we're going to spend five minutes prognosticating on what the future may hold. Should God get a book of relevance? Because I I am not up to da- I'm I can't off the top of my head tell you how those detachments work now. I do know you have a much more limited selection of units. I think what it's just Russ's servitors infantry squads essentially. Well, it's not just that. It's the fact that now we are legitimately limited to 500 points. Basically. That too, exactly. So there's no bank so, blades are making it in, which would have been pretty yeah. cool. If I don't think like, it's good, would have been cool. To. Like there's a couple of times that I, I used to bring the bane blades with the brothers, like in old and eighth edition. But uh, you know, that's not a thing. It was fun. It was not. It wasn't good, but it was fun. Mm. It's the things that uh, you look at now with uh, GSE. You're gonna be looking at out of line of sight shooting because I mean that's you 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 still get the benefits of uh, astro militarum units, so yeah. they don't get the penalties. It's just gonna be that's. Usually, what you go into, or you go into like commanders, like you get you grab two commanders because they're really good long range shooting for you. That's something that you have in like ridge runners. So that's ta- tank commanders, yeah. Yeah, the tank commanders. The only downside about doing the shooting, because the thing with the uh, astronaut terms is you're adding them to get some good shooting units, certainly, because you everything else that they do, you can do better with your with your actual rules. Yeah. The shooting that they have is what you want to get access to. The problem is. Now, with some of the things that you can do with like crossfire and stuff, like they're not benefiting and you're, they're not gaining you crossfire. So it takes out other pieces of your list that will give you the other, the, the rest of your army benefits. And these are, they're, again, they're more of a stat check ad, kind of like the Tyranids would be. And guard right now, who's taking them as stat checks, right? Yeah, exactly right. Um, why yeah, you, I think the only, yeah, sorry, there you go. I think the only other thing that's kind of interesting about the guard side is, again, it is just like 
literally, I think it would be like two tank commanders and a guard squad or whatever as a patrol, right? Is it does add a weird bit of backfield durability that GSC just doesn't have. Like armor content, two plus armor save is kind of nuts. Toughness eight, yeah, it's it's actually kind of nuts. Only issue is like you don't get access to. Well, firstly, you won't get improved range on your demolisher cannons, so they're stuck at twenty four inches. You don't get access to the spicy cool relics uh, for the gatekeeper, the three damage battle cannon, or whatever. So you're probably taking plasma cushioners, aren't you? That's the best rend and rank. Uh, right? It depends on what you're taking it for. I think demolishers might still be the best one to add to your list because I mean, 24 inches. Sure, you're going to be a little bit closer to them, but your GSC, if they're that close to you and they get in right, that's they're not. That's true. Range. You could use them they're as loads, you could lose them as lodestones to pull people in. That's actually a good yeah. point. Yeah, that's just a good point. Um, but I was, I was more thinking if you're using them into support of the ridge runner build, like you do want to not have to leave your deployment zone for them to generally work, yeah which is fair um but no that's a good point like you could use them to draw people into like the killing fields and stuff for yeah for your echoes and whatnot which is kind of what i described the the triple black build um doing in the matchups i played against it uh yep. so should g should should guard get a good book what would you love to be able to add to a gsc build with breed brothers up over and above just chucking in russes i'm uh, really good at alliance side shooting yeah so you'd love bassies medicals weapons I would. I've 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 run Manticores with my current one too. Like I've done, I have the two Manticores painted and I've used them. They've they've been not bad, but just without, without the them by themselves, they're they're not quite strong enough. They were nice. They were neat. But if they would get like a really good on its own, like not relying on the Admec or Admec uh, Militarum specific chapter bonuses, then we could add them in there. I would I would love that. That would be good. Alex. I would love to get like a big center of the board anchor unit, which is something that GSC just doesn't have. And I would love that to just be like, Wolgrins or Ogrins are cool again. So you'd, li- you'd like a you'd like a bully unit, something to to pivot around. I need, yeah. I need to say that I would love that too, but I would also hate it because it means that I'd be taking them instead of Aberrants. The Aberrants still aren't worth taking. That makes me angry. Yeah, that would be Aberrants. This is fine though. But, but it would be really I am polishing a turret here. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, if you can stomach knocking out or kill anything in combats, Bullgrins do do live very well. Still, uh, they still are very quite durable. I think they should have four wounds, though. They should be four wounds, toughness five. Like, make their armor save possibly like one or two dings worse um, if, you, if you really wanted to hurt them. But man, like, is there a worse profile? Is there, is there a profile that feels worse in the game right now than an auto cannon profile? <laughs> like, strength seven minus yeah, there's one. There's a lot of stuff in the game that's like, yeah, oh, get out of here. Strength seven minus one, two damage is just like the most lukewarm crowd goes mild, never hurt of you, nothing ever. Um, yeah, I I used to have so many Goliaths in my list, but once Armor Contempt came out, I was like, well, never mind. Yeah, well, that's actually something I'm going to put to use in the part two, because I want to, this is one of the archetypes I would like to see GSC pivot into, and it's a very heavy transport uh, uh, list. Because um, I think the transport is a, is a decent meta to be in right now. But we're going to leave that for part two. We're going to wrap up this part one on that note, gentlemen, after after we get the closing statements on the state of this super faction. Alex, take it away. Um, Keep playing and have fun. Like, I think a lot of people are still just like the go warriors. Like, Duh, experiment. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Experiment with characters. Like, don't just think that you've got to play the, the smash your opponent over the head. It might be the easiest to do well with, but you can probably have some success with some more interesting stuff. Yeah. I, sorry, Dustin, same thing. I'll echo that. Go out of your comfort zone. Try stuff that other people aren't trying. You're going to find stuff that other people aren't finding. Trust me. Like, the- I, I feel like if I was playing the Super Faction, I would be playing uh, the Leviathan build for the big GTs and then just some wonky, crazy nonsense for all the all the RTTs and, and smaller and practice games, right? All playing yep. GSC. If I played the whole all, thing, all the smaller ones, yeah. you're, you, you, that's where you're trying stuff. You try yeah. all the wonky stuff. But have big events, sure. Bring your bring your big uh, competitive list. You know yeah. works, but bring the best thing to the big stuff. But enjoy the whole super faction as a whole because there is so much more. I honestly think GSC is one of the most rewarding and exciting armies in the game. Always kind of has been because of the way it plays. But it's also one of the hardest knowledge dense armies you're never ever going to come up against. But I think that because of that, it's a it's a reason I would want to take it on and give it a go. Um, before, yeah, my my closing faction it just echoes the other two. I think you know play the best stuff when you want when you need to play the best stuff to get the results that you want. And at all other times, experiment. Like the Tyranid book is it's so stupidly deep, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's there's archetypes there we haven't even like I barely like we, I mentioned the Hydra the Hydra build. That's an archetype that's literally just sitting there waiting for an excuse. 
there's so many different archetypes in there that are just waiting to be used. Like the, it's it's very it's it's one of the deepest tiered books I've ever seen. In fact, that's probably the deepest. Phenomenal. All right. On that note, gentlemen, thank you very much. We'll be going over and recording part two. We've got a bunch of listener questions we're going to unpack there. In addition, I'm going to start throwing some wacky and weird archetypes at these gents and getting them to just make me some builds on the fly. Like, make me a GSC list worthy of Mordor kind of crazy crap. Um, and, yeah, gentlemen, anything we'd like to plug before we close? As always, go check out the Stutter Scrub podcast and uh, our weekly games. Just search Stutter Scrub anywhere. Love it. You'll find it. And I will plug the fact that Alex McDougall is an Art of War coach if he is not willing to. If you would like any assistance with your Forces of the Hive Mind list building, knowledge, coaching, practice, anything, go hit up Alex over on theartofwar40k.com. Get yourself some coaching, jump in that beautiful war room and get involved. Um, Alex, say goodnight, mate. I just did all your plugs for you. <laughs> Good night, everybody. See you in part two. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K, hosted by Adam Camilleri, produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under, signing out from tomorrow. Tomorrow.